Cold open number two. Holy shit. We have now had more cold opens than regular opens this season. Yeah, I, I was shocked by this. Shocked. We'll get into all that in one second. Not Welcome appalled, back. though. Oh, not appalled. Not a, you're, you're, you liked it? Just shocked, but not appalled. Good. It's good that we're there. Welcome back. We are Freeze All Motor Functions, a Westworld podcast that doesn't sound like anything to me and doesn't take itself too seriously. I am your host, Jared Borislow, here with Ross Bolin. What is up? We're coming to you from Grand X Media headquarters in Austin, Texas, with our Monday episode, recapping and reviewing Westworld Season 2, Episode 3. Uh, oh man, how do I say this? Virtui Fortna. Yes, that is the correct pronunciation of the episode title. Will you say it normally? Yeah, it's a Virtue and Fortnite, I believe. Okay, what is it for real? Virtue e Fortuna. Because here's the thing, I don't actually know. Like, I'm, I'm legitimately asking. It's, uh, it's Latin this time around. You know, it's Latin. It's the, the Latin's the granddaddy of, of all languages. Well, not really, just some languages, but Virtue e Fortuna. Is that uh, legitimately the name of the episode? Yes. Okay, because it's hard to tell, you know, with you, uh, where your joking stops and reality starts. So, but you, you didn't actually think it was Fortnite in the in the. No, title. no, no. I knew, I knew it wasn't Fortnite, but the rest of that could have, could have, you know, could have been true. I don't know. We're gonna start off like we always do this week by thanking you, the guests. Number one, there's two reasons we're thanking them this week, which is pretty, pretty great. Number one, for participating in our first ever. Meme contest, the full of splendor meme. I counted it up, and we had exactly one shit ton of entries in this contest. Did you just say full of splendor? Did I? Because it's splendor. I don't know. I don't think I, I said. I swear you said splendor. We'll check and the tape. I'm very excited to run that back. Hit the hit the backwards fifteen seconds thing, and you can check the tape for us. I'm also gonna take a shot in the dark here that virtu e fortuna uh, means virtue and fortune. Did you say that already? Uh, I didn't. I was going to get into that, but you're actually right. So okay. Okay. Job. I'm just, it's just my shot in the dark. I get Back. one, one per episode. Y and you hit it. Good job. Uh, Woo. Back to the meme contest. One shit ton of entries. Quality was unbelievably high. Like I, I laughed multiple times. The world is full of bad memes and, and, and what's the opposite of a meme Lord? Like just, just the, the internet's like mostly a meme just, peasant. Yeah. The internet's full of meme peasants, and it's it's pretty much a meme graveyard. But you guys, you guys were the meme cafeteria, impressive memeage, dishing out memes. Like I said, very high quality. Ross and I lolled, we laughed out loud for that's another internet thing right there. And we have a winner, the winner of the first ever, but not last, <laughs> meme contest is Ian DeFalco. Woo! At Ian DeFlaca on Twitter. He, uh, his meme was, he had our little, our, our little full of splendor one and they had a picture of Liam McPoyle, which Ross still doesn't understand because it's not, it's always sunny reference. I get it. Yes. And that, I believe that was actually our best performing meme on, on Twitter, as well as being my personal favorite. What so congrats. did it say? It was, it was just a picture and he had a little caption along with it. It was like, what is this? A crossover episode? But it was just, that was the most to me. Like I looked at that and I was like, yes. Because I want to be, be clear about something here. Jared picked the winner. All right, not me, Jared. Well, really, the fans picked it because that had the most engagement of all the. Okay, ones. so you went. You actually went with some metrics here to 
it's not just your own personal bias? It was both. Okay. But the thing is, you couldn't properly rate it because you don't watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That is totally fair. Yes. But yeah, um, the, the, the funniest part to me was the idea that Dolores would look at Liam McPoyle like she looks at William and, be, and, be, and it would be full of splint. Like That is a disgusting human. He's gross. He's horrible. So congrats, Ian DeFalco. Ian, uh, you really did it, man. DM us. We'll get you your $25 Rowdy Gentleman gift card. Uh, check out our Twitter, at Motor to see Ian's winning meme, as well as some of our favorite entries. And big news, last week's meme contest was such a woodcutter's skull-smashing success that you know we had to do it to you guys and bring it back. Keep listening, because we're going to announce this week's meme contest later in the show. Mem. Mem. Be a mem lord with us. Second thing we're thanking you for, we did it. We hit 350 reviews on iTunes, and you know what that means. It's time to release the t-shirts. We have multiple? Uh, not yet, but we're going to. Um, follow us on social media. Designs will be coming out shortly. I have just designed one for the dream data rules everything around me, and I'm pretty excited about it. I hope you guys like it. Uh, these should be out by, hopefully by the Thursday episode, and if not then, by next Monday. We'll get them up on the Grand X shop. Um, yeah, so thank you for the ratings, the reviews, and the subscriptions, and it's time to get into this week's episode. Episode 3, Virtue and Fortnite. Virtu e Fortuna. Do you know what that is, Ross, besides being Latin? Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure I already defined it, so... Oh, it's funny, because you, you were pretty proud of yourself for, for translating that from the Latin, but that, that's like one-eighth of the actual meaning of it. I look forward to hearing the other seven-eighths. Uh, this is Machiavellian philosophy. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah. I, which I know nothing about personally. Shouts to comicbook.com, which helped me understand all this. My familiarity with Machiavelli goes so far as uh, Tupac lyrics. So, that's all I got. Uh, yeah, as with, as with probably most of America. That's like where, where they get their Machiavelli from. Yeah. So, Machiavelli was a... Uh, I believe he's from uh, Boston, right? Yeah, yeah. Native Boston, uh, big Pats fan. Yeah, big Pats fan. Uh, Machiavelli, old guy, wrote a lot about what makes a good leader. That was a lot of his writings. I'm fairly believe the, certain he's uh, he's definitely elderly at this point. Yeah, he's he's on his last legs for sure. Oh yeah, he's in the nursing home. You should go visit him when you check out your your great grandma. So, <laughs> Machiavelli, one of his seminal works was The Prince. He wrote a lot about what is what makes a good leader, and two of those things are virtue and fortune. Virtue is one's ability to properly maintain their rule and achieve greatness using a wide variety of tactics that include both ruthlessness and empathy. Mm. You got to know, you got to know when to hold them, when to fold them, when to, when to be an asshole and when to be a nice guy. Yeah. You got to know or when woman. to use the stick and when to use the carrot. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, fortune is essentially chance. It's those things that are not under the control of a leader, but that the leader using their virtue can plan for. How, with enough, for, with how enough, fortunate can you be? Exactly. With enough virtue, fortune can be outmatched. It's always a, it's like a tipping scale. Much like justice. Exactly like justice. Not the band, although the band is dope. Not familiar with the band. Very familiar with the woman. I believe they, I believe they have the hit song D-N-C-E. D-A-N-C-E. I, I think I misspelled dance right wow. there. But you Anyways, either way. So you can see, uh, going off of how this relates to the episode, we see a lot of Dolores's leadership abilities and how she how she kind of works with her, her 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 peeps, her soldiers, her 
yeah. her subordinates and how she kind of plans for the things that are kind of out of her control. Yeah, so far with, with Dolores, we had gotten pretty pretty limited scope as far as leadership goes. I mean, you know, she was recruiting, but she was recruiting uh, morons, basically. Yeah. This episode, she actually had to uh, utilize some leadership tactics. And Interesting to see how it plays out. Very betrayal heavy. She's a big betrayer. Uh, yeah. You could call it betrayal. You could call it that. She is me in Halo 3. Uh, me and my friend, what we do is after school, we'd get on Halo 3 and just get into uh, like group deathmatch games and then just immediately kill our own teammates. It was really fun. I wow. ended up, wow. after a year of owning Halo 3, I had 11 experience. Wow. Playing it probably over 100 hours of gameplay. It that was, yeah. really says a lot about you as a, as a person. You know, it's, that's why I play Fortnite, uh, because you can't betray in that game. You know what's funny is you used to be able to. In one of the earlier iterations, really? you could kill teammates, and then eventually they took that away because of people like you. I'm not going to lie. Recently, as recently as a couple months ago, me and my squad, uh, a, guy in our, a guy in our squad got a, uh, it was a purple scar or a gold scar, and he was making a bridge to heaven to make a launch pad, and we shot the bridge out and let him die so he could steal his, his scar. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> then we won. That was my, my only ever squad win was that game, so it worked out. Enough about Fork Knife. Um, okay. The description by HBO for this episode is, there is beauty in who we are, shouldn't we too try to survive? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I love how Westworld isn't giving away what happens in the episode like they do for Game of Thrones in these descriptions. Uh, pretty rare that the Game of Thrones descriptions give you anything. It'll be like, Tyrion strategizes, John finds an unlikely friend, Danny uh, hangs out. Yeah, and that's that's the description. See, like, I okay. hate spoiler nation so much that that's a spoiler to me. I don't want to know. You don't even want to know. I don't want to know we're gonna see Danny hanging out this episode. I want to find that out later on. You don't even want to know the basics. When I googled the episode, literally just now, um, Virtu e Fortuna, the description on Google is beauty and in individuals semicolon the fight for survival, which is even less informative somehow. <laughs> than the one they used. So what it seems like they're doing is all the descriptions are like written by hosts, maybe written by Aiden from the, uh, the Westworld discover Westworld website. I don't know. But if you look at them, they're like, seems like they're written by the host. It's like they're, it's like their little running gag. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. It's time to get into this except for, we got to hit the intro music. It's cold open. We never played the intro music. Oh, here it is then hit it. Luke. Bring yourself back online. Remember. Cold open. Like I said earlier, we are now at two cold opens in three episodes. Uh, they're savage for this. Back to back, unprecedented. I was kind of expecting it for some reason. Like now I'm always going to be looking for it, especially now with this back to back. Like right after, right after the you know previously on Westworld, I was like, I was like, are they gonna do it? Are they gonna do it? I heard a sitar and I was like, they've done it. I will say this: two very effective, well executed cold opens. It's not as if they just are doing this for shits and gigs. Very well done. Uh, when this cold open popped up, I actually thought that the show hadn't started yet and that this was the trailer for a direct to HBO Wes Anderson movie. Why, why Wes Anderson? Because Wes Anderson loves India. He loves like Imperial India. He loves... That no, that's whole, true. Okay, yeah. 
Uh, but no, what this is, is our first ever glimpse of the inside of another park. Park 6! Raj World. Is that what it's called? It's called Raj World. They actually just put up a what website. What is Raj? Uh, it's, that's some Imperial India term, okay. I believe. Uh, I, I was pretty surprised by this. Like, okay, yes, yes, this does make sense as the place the Bengal Tigers are. British sovereignty in India okay, is the Raj. What, I guess we need to know how many parks there are, but even so... The fact that Raj World made it into the top six, pretty shocking. I don't really understand how, because not, not a single person said to me, oh yeah, let's take an Imperial India. Also, here's the thing for me. I, I am, have been led to believe via my, you know, mediocre education that you could still go have that type of experience in India if you so desired with the elephant riding and the hunting and more, it's kind of like a old school India type of setup in some places still so why would you need the park i don't think that nowadays unless you find a sketchy ass dude that you can go bengal tiger hunting i believe they're endangered but okay 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 i should rephrase that i know you <laughs> i know that particular <laughs> game is not something that's probably available but you can go do that type of hunting trip yeah you just can't hunt bengal tigers but you can't do it in the opulence of like the British imperialism, you know, with the big mansions and like the well, and and here's and here, here's the element that you're really getting out of it, slavery. Yeah, that's the element. No, yeah, that it, and that's what makes Park Six kind of fucked up. It's essentially like, hey, do you wish we still lived in a time with slaves? Well, now you can. <laughs> Park Six, Imperial India, where the Indians are being forced to do everything you want. It's yeah. a little fucked up. I'm just saying. No, yeah, that's. I always wondered that because they do a great job of Westworld of having like no slavery. I mean, there's some. Is there slavery? There's no slavery in the Wild West. I think it was. I mean, I don't think minorities were treated uh, the same as white people. All no. like definitely not. Like Native Americans, for instance, were were definitely not treated to yeah. be the same as white people. But uh, I don't think there was slavery. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is kind of fucked up. And I don't know the degree to like, I'm not a huge like Imperial India buff. I'm I not either. I don't know to what degree they were slaves or to what degree. I mean, I'm sure like, I know Imperial okay. India, they were not kind of you know, You know what I mean. It's not even, the, we're really splitting hairs here. Servants at yeah. the very least. Yes. At the very least. Yeah. It's like, hey, I've always wanted to have Indian servants. Let's yeah. go to Raj world. Yeah. I agree. And like we were saying, it it's very beautiful. Obviously, Imperial India, like the way they present it. Aside from looking like a Wes Anderson movie, it's it's a very beautiful time. But I think the point that Ross are making are, is like, is that a top six? Top six? Out of all the shit they could come up with, they were like, we need Raj World. I don't. Maybe that was market testing. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Here's what I'm wondering. So, you we want we wonder how many worlds there are. Could there be seven? Seven Nation Army is the sitar song that plays. Yeah, that was a pretty. Uh, a lot of people hopped on board with that theory quickly. The, the fact that there could be seven seven different parks that are all kind of coming together here. Otherwise, why would they have picked Seven Nation Army? Well, I'll give you three of the reasons why right now, Ross. Do you want them? Beg Great. me, beg a, me for what them. What a setup by me. Beg me for them. I actually botched it. Did you hear me fumble over my words? Uh, yeah, that happens a lot, though. No, I'm used true. to you being full of air. Here's the other reasons why they picked Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. That song is off the album Elephant. Okay. Uh, pretty much this whole episode is about armies. Okay. You have possibly the Seven Nation Army Seven Worlds deal, but my favorite one was actually told to me like 15 minutes ago 
on Twitter by one Jackson Bone. Tigers have white stripes. A lot of double, triple, quadruple entendres going on here. Yeah. Also, I got to say, I'm out on the seven worlds theory because Raj world? I'm still, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I can't imagine they have seven parks and one of the seven is Raj world. I don't know. I, I mean, you got to think we'll find out more. Whatever. Especially, well, I mean, Samurai World slash Shogun World is pretty, like... That's dope. Samurais are pretty big in, like, overall world culture. Like, they're, that's, like, a very... But that's a very, very distinct time period yeah. that everyone is familiar with. Raj World, on the other hand, is, like... I mean, I've seen, like, you know, what's that movie with Meryl Streep where she goes down, <laughs> she does this kind of whole thing? I don't remember the name of it. It's one of the classic... Hotel. One of the classic Meryl Streep movies. Uh, that would be... Oh, man... I can't even find it. I think Robert Redford might be in it too. No, you're thinking of like out of Africa. <laughs> oh yeah, that's Africa. Different, yeah. different continent you know, entirely. Actually, well, for those who didn't know. Anyways, this is the last thing we'll say about this. The fact that me and Ross don't know a lot about this says more about us than it does anything else. We need to learn more about history. Going on, uh, we start off with a guest named Grace being hit on by a man in Raj world who's acting a lot like a guest given the third wall breaking things he's saying about like, oh, the hosts and oh, the, they're trying to really get me away from you, like acting like that's all kind of written in. Um, but she isn't sure he is a guest because he is so attractive. What a compliment that is. He's a famous actor, is he not? No, he's not. Okay. He's actually one of the only new actors who was like not credited in Westworld's New season two actors thing, oh, probably okay. because he's on scene on screen for like three minutes. I love that she was like, Ooh, you have abs. You must be a robot. Yeah. It says it says a little bit about maybe the future. Maybe there's less abs. Lot not as many people cranking out crunches, you know? There's not a lot of P ninety X, but there are a lot of P ninety guns. Thank you for that joke. You've set me up for You're that. welcome. I'm on fire. Uh <laughs> Grace ends up shooting him to make sure that he is a guest, and lo and behold, he's just an attractive man. Who she's now shot. He he's bruised. Goddamn gun rules keep coming back into play here. Um, the most interesting element of this to me is the the idea that in Raj world, people are coming. These two people anyway. Their main intention is for the bangle hunting. Uh, perhaps because that is no longer legal. Maybe at the time period we're in, bangles are extinct. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but that they are seeking out other real humans to have sexual intercourse and relationships with and shared experiences with is a whole other element that we've never seen in Westworld. Yeah. You going know what I mean? Like, like in Westworld, you scene. go to hang with the hosts and bang the hosts. Yeah. You're not like, let's find some other bros or chicks to kick it with and have sex with and, and go hunt. Yeah, it kind of changes it to be more like a, like a speed dating scene. Right, which is interesting, and it's um, it's odd that they never... Because be real, there would be more of that in Westworld, too. Oh, yeah. There would be, like, linking up with other real people to go do cool shit. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just like that, that they threw that in there. Yeah, maybe, and maybe it was speed dating, and the guy inviting him to the governor's thing was that it was like, hey, next person, but he's like, no, we're having a good time. I have another note. Uh, boobs. That is all. Very poignant. That's Welcome. Good. That's, that's a good note. Uh, okay. So Grace and her mans then head out on a hunt. Grace notices something's wrong when the usual hosts aren't at their camp to socialize with them, which serves to confirm what we kind of already gathered that Grace is a Delos veteran. 
She's been to this. She's park been a there lot. before. She's been down this road before. This place is supposed to be packed with servants. There are none to be seen. She also notices something's wrong when she sees murdered guests in a tent. That's a problem. She's like, oh, fuck, I saw them on the train. Those are not hosts. Oh, yeah. no. But the thing is, she didn't really say that to this guy early enough. No. She, she kind of, like, realized it. Let him say, wow, a new twist in the narrative. Horror. Which is pretty much like, oh, this guy's about to die. Like, this, this guy who doesn't understand what's happening is going to die. He's a dead man. And she should have been like, oh, no, this is not. No, that's a guess. Like, we got we to gotta get out of here. And then... I actually had to rewind it because it was so kind of odd the way she handled the situation. Yeah. Um, I mean, shock does mess with your brain, but still. I get it. But yeah, she should have immediately been like, those are people. Oh, my God. Speaking of, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's Ganju's music. We got Ganju, who Ganju was the was the host who uh, the the attractive ab man. He gave his stuff. He said, hey, put this in the tent. Gave it to Ganju. Ganju walked away. It kind of focuses on Ganju's face for a couple seconds, and which originally had no meaning. And then when you watch it again, you're like, oh, shit, they're, they're showing his face because he's about to snap. Ganju got the bug. Yeah, Ganju, he seems like the Teddy of the Rosworld, kind of like a guide for guests. You know, he's like the nice guy who kind of takes you along your journey. We can only hope that he's the Teddy of Rosworld because that would be hilarious. Mm -hmm. The idea that there could be a Teddy... That they would duplicate that sort of scenario throughout yeah. the different parks. I have to imagine they do. Um, well, Ganju, he does know how to say these violent delights have violent ends. Of course he does. He's got the bug. And then he smokes Grace's mans in the heart. Yeah, that he killed. He murdered that man. He's dead. He's, he's literally dead. Grace didn't care that much. She was more in self-preservation mode at this Dude, point. Dude, Grace was very... I mean, respect to Grace for knowing what's important and what's not. Uh, and, you know, she met that dude the night before. They banged. Yeah, so what? Just some bodily fluids were exchanged. And then she... Yeah, you gotta bounce. Mm -hmm. You gotta bounce, Grace. This is not... Point being, this is not a Titanic situation. They are not in love and going to survive together. Grace is, uh, is going solo here. Um, yeah. Yes. I have I have a timeline little note. So when Grace shoots uh, this ab man originally, I'm led to believe that if she had done that at the current time, then the gun would have read him as a as a as a host and she would have been able to kill him. I am refusing to reopen this debate. Well, so you, you're, you're, you're on, forcing you to. You're on your own. I, honest to God, Jared, I, I do not understand how the guns work. I do not understand the... Oh, this is not a gun debate. It's a timeline debate. I'm saying I think that the scene where they had sex is before the gala. And then it skips ahead a little bit to maybe the next morning after the gala already happened. And that's why Ganju snaps. I don't know. You get what I'm saying? Oh, okay. The yeah. host, gun, the gun, there's a good chance that... If that happened after the gala, that gun that she shot at him would have read him as a host because the guns are reading everybody as hosts now. So I'm saying the sex might have been framing and then the trip was after the gala when everybody's snapping. So if they had had that sex scene post-gala, you were under the impression that when she shot him, it would have killed him and she would have been like, Ah, uh, he was a host. Yeah. And then left him there and, and then somebody would have found him and been like, oh, this poor human died. That's I. I'm definitely leaving that open for okay. your own interpretation, guests. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. Grace sprints away from the hunting camp, and when she stops to catch her breath, she encounters a Bengal tiger that begins to chase her. 
which to me says that Ganju picked a great campsite. Good job, Ganju. Way to go, Ganju. You did your job. Right near the Tigers. Oh, yeah. That's the guy that you want, minus the fact that he, he'll kill you. So are the Tigers now behaving differently as well? I think that, I'm pretty sure the tiger would have done that anyway. So can the animals get the these violent delights have violent ends bug? I would say yes, because I believe that it having the bug is what let it go through that laser pointer. Yes, I'm with you. Okay. I think that without it, she would have been able to run through there, but he would have been stopped. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just a laser pointer. That's, that's the crazy part about it. It's, it's it's the same thing you see at like what you're watching a, a Barcelona game and they're like all these lights are shining on Messi's face. That's the same thing. It's yeah. exact same thing. Yeah, it's 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 like an entrapment situation. You remember that movie with a hot actress? She does bendy things to get between the laser beams and the oh, security system. Uh, was it called Entrapment? I believe it was. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my gut. Whatever, doesn't matter. Um, we had a guest reach out to us on Twitter and say that he thought the Tiger CGI was kind of shoddy. What do you think? A lot of people made fun of the Tiger CGI. Uh, I saw one tweet that did very well that got retweeted onto my timeline that was like, man, Westworld really went all out with the Tiger CGI, and it was a stuffed animal of a <laughs> tiger. I noticed that it wasn't you know, the most flawless Tiger CGI of all time or anything like that, but come on, man. What? That's the type of shit that bugs me. Let's let's not fucking get all nitpicky. Yeah. Another person had a problem that the tiger that we see is way bigger than the tiger we see on the shore. You know? Which could just be decomposition. Uh, again, I think, nitpicky. Potentially. Yeah. So Grace keeps sprinting until she ends up at the park boundary. First time we've seen the park boundary with its laser pointer and all. Yeah, this is crazy. Okay, so is the outcome of the way this unfolds, she sprints to the park boundary... There's some kind of laser security system that is supposed to keep at least hosts from exiting. Uh, is this evidence that perhaps all, you know, a minimum of the six parks are all built on the same area? Yes, because we, as we see in episode one, they say we've never had a, a, a host cross park borders before. Right, but I mean, okay, so at the very least, we're now aware park six and... Westworld can be accessed via the same area. Yes. I also love that their their measure of security is you have reached the park's exit. Please turn back. Yeah. Shouldn't it be like you li stop, you're going to get, you know, shocked with a bunch of voltage if you try to continue or something? Yeah, maybe. I'm, gonna... I'm just surprised they let people willingly exit the park grounds. Mm -hmm. That seems like a dangerous situation insurance-wise. Another kind of deal here is, so this lake that the kind of tiger tackles her into, yeah. is this the same size as the one that everybody's freaking out about, the sea? It seems like it might be smaller. The sea being the place all with the all the bodies? Yeah. I assumed this was the same body of water. It looks kind of smaller, though, as we see at the end. like I, I thought it was this. It could be that each park is separated by this type of body of water and that and that what we see at the end is just like a way bigger body of water because they were so they said it was a sea and they were really surprised by it it seems like because if we're looking at timing that means the sea would have already been there by the time all the, the gala happened which is possible i could just be grasping at straws and here don't all the security guys roll up through the sea to the beach no that's 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 from like the mainland oh okay that's not like inside the park borders that's outside the whole island it's on gotcha 
But yeah, so let us know your thoughts. Uh, call into the cold line eight 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 six freeze. I want to know your thoughts about the C. Do you think the C? Is, do you think this is the same one? Different? I don't know. I would like to know your thoughts on the letter C. Yeah, maybe some Sesame Street kind of deal. Going Thank you. On here. Uh, Grace gets jumped by LT Gray, and then we got the intro music. Ooh, ooh. Was that your inter- interpretation of the intro music? It's just me being pumped. We get the intro, and then we cut to Carl Strand and the gang approaching an entrance to the Mesa Hub. Mailing gives us a rundown of what's inside. Uh, the system's totally down, including simunitions. Simunitions theory confirmed. What? Simunitions. She says simunitions, which is the our whole theory about how the guns worked. Oh, so simunitions system being down is what is allowing them to shoot people. Yes. Gotcha. So there okay. we go. We were right. Well, really, that caller we had was right. So, shouts to you, caller. Um, floors 42 through 45 are still on fire. Uh, someone took out the cradle. I don't know what the cradle is. I assume it's the control room. Seems like what they would call that. Uh, we also learned that it is a slaughterhouse in there, which we already knew. But they did not because they have not been inside the Mesa Hub yet. They go inside. We run back into Charlotte Hale, who is surprised to see Bernard still alive, which is insulting. Her attitude and persona and everything about her is more and more confusing to me this whole episode she has zero affect whatsoever why does she talk to people the way she talks to people if you did this in real life somebody would be like bitch what is your problem yeah why the fuck are you talking to me like that it is this whole episode it's almost as if she turned down her like emotional response to like zero on a tablet so this is if you're going to tell me charlotte hale is a host and you're going to use this episode as evidence, I'm going to say this is probably some of the best evidence you're going to have. Because she's acting so goddamn weird this entire time. It, it, it really, it, I really don't get it. I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out her personality, and I'm having trouble. So she insults Bernard, saying that she didn't think he had it in him to survive, which is like... Say, again, bitch, what? That, that is like the most primal thing we all have is survival, you know? And so saying, hey, you're such a incompetent coward you're not good at being a human here's the thing if you and i are in a life or death situation where we are literally fighting for running for our lives we get separated and then i see you a couple hours later and i say holy shit jared it's shocking to me that you are still alive that is incredibly insulting yeah i also you know it's kind of made worse by the fact that charlotte ran away from bernard what the fuck was that we'll get to that (laughs) very rude of her okay yeah very rude um, the theory that, sh- so I was still operating under the theory that Charlotte, during the time in between when Bernard woke up on the beach and when, whenever we last see him, that Charlotte found Peter Abernathy and that's why Carl Strand and his team were finally sent to restore order. That is debunked. That is, yeah, totally debunked. Because Charlotte has still not found Peter Abernathy. Which really, again, I got more questions, but I don't feel like they're worth answering. So, yeah, I, I really don't understand what happened there. We, we don't know. That's, yeah. it, it, we've all been thrown into a tizzy because that's still, we don't know what happened now in those still around two weeks or so, right. 12-ish days before they sent the, yeah. the team. Yeah, but we still have quite a bit of episodes left, so I'm sure we're going to get to that. True. Charlotte is still looking for Peter, uh, looking everywhere for him, acting weird like we said, and she asked Bernard if he knows where Peter Abernathy is, which triggers a flashback to when she and him were looking for him after they left the remote facility with the drones okay so this confused me a little because i was blazing saddles hard Mm -hmm. uh the so this is a flashback yes to them locating him yes not not 
Okay, that was that was that got me a little bit. I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I thought it was like a flash to them actively trying to find him. No, so she's saying, do you know where he is? And now he's looking back at the. He's like remembering the last time he saw Peter Abernathy. Um, yeah, there it, it's pretty. Now that I th- think about the whole timeline of this is is bizarre. I think there's parts of it that we may not necessarily know the answer to yet. Like that one in particular to me is still kind of up in the air. What I because I took it as that's they went to go look for him. Like that spurred him to be like, yeah, I can help you find him, and they went to look for him together. No, but because, you're saying that was in the past. Yeah, it was. It was in the past. Okay. So Charlotte's timeline seems to go like this. So her and Bernard. Uh, find Peter Abernathy, then Charlotte ditches Bernard, gets back into the Maze of Hub, recruits that army to go to Fort Forlorn Hope, where Bernard is a prisoner, and then Charlotte extracts Peter Abernathy, and then something happens, and then she doesn't have him, and that's where this scene we just saw happens. So, it's possible that either she actually legitimately lost Abernathy, or she's just lying to Bernard and lying to Carl Strand because she doesn't want them to be cued in to what her actual plan with Peter Abernathy is. And she'll just be like, oh, never found him. I guess uh, I guess that's a, a wash. Oh, well. And then that's how she's sweeping it all under the rug. We do not know. Right. But a lot of people think that in this scene, you can tell that Charlotte knows Bernard is a host. And it's just, it's so hard to tell because of the, like her confusing personality in general. And the way she talks and says things. It's like, what the fuck's going on with this? Because she says, he seems to keep something away from us. That could be Charlotte talking to uh, Carl Strand about how Bernard is a host. But I don't think Carl Strand knows that. Who would she be talking to if she was saying he's slipping away from us like a host? I think she's saying Peter Abernathy is slipping away from us. But open to interpretation. Yes. Um, And then we go to the flashback. And this is, I think, a top three favorite scene of mine in the history of this show. Because, oh yeah, uh, good guy Rebus, we'll get to that. That is unbelievable. That actor deserves every single pot. He deserves a Tony, a Grammy, a a Razzie, a a Webby, a a Best Barbecue, Austin, Texas, 2016. He deserves everything. 2016? Yeah, I don't know. I just, I I feel like that, that was a good year. So Good year for barbecue. They locate Abernathy and see that he is currently... Uh, some of our man Rebus's merchandise that he plans to settle the Confederados. The second I saw we were getting more Rebus, my eyes lit up like Rebus is when he sees a nice frosty glass of fresh squeezed cow juice. Okay. Rebus's new business. <coughs> cow juice. Cow juice. Rebus's new business, uh, instead of like pillaging, is selling prisoners to the Confederados. And that's what he plans to do with Abernathy. Presumably so he can afford his ever-increasing milk addiction. Yes. Bernard and Charlotte devise a plan to get him back, to get Peter back. Charlotte yells help to get Rebus's attention, and then Bernard bashes him over the head with a rock after he ends up finding her, and she flicks him off and kind of distracts him a little bit. And He's that's, like, God damn. Yeah. You're hot. I'll get more, hit with a rock. We'll get more it. than 15 bucks for you. And then, favorite part of the season... One of my favorite things ever. Good guy Rebus comes in. Yeah, this I, I I legit laughed at this for about twenty minutes. Like the show kept going, but I just kept thinking about what Rebus could be doing now <laughs> to like positively impact the world, and I was fucking losing it. So the good guy Rebus is the result of Bernard hard porting in and giving Rebus a little attitude adjustment, as he says, turning him into the most virtuous, quickest gun in the West. Yeah, which is the least 
way, the least good way to describe the regular Revis. Yeah, it's this is uh, the opposite. He's a scoundrel. Yes, he's a milk-loving, uh, murderous, rapist scoundrel turned most virtuous, quickest gun in the West. Rebus re-enters the camp and says, you the sick tug mistreating these gentle women, and then just shoots all of his own men. And then he says, you only ever touch a woman as gently with the petal of a rose. As Any- gently as the petal of a rose, yeah. Any more than that makes you a coward. Hey, it's okay. I won't let them harm you. Go on, you're free now. The way the way he talks is <laughs> so fucking funny, man. I, I, I was dying. And that's why this is the subject of our new meme contest for this week. Rebus doing good acts. Uh, are you familiar with good guy Greg meme? I am not. Okay, well, you should be. Thanks, good guy thankfully. Greg, good guy Greg is, is one of the most popular memes of all time. That you, you just you're, This is a generation gap. I understand, Ross. You're, you're like 39. I'm a young, a young boy. Just for the record, I'm 30. Either way. Good guy Greg is, it's a picture of this dude like smoking a joint. And then the top line is like, you think it's, he's going to be doing something bad. It'll be like, uh, I, I can't even give a good example because that just does an injustice to the meme. But wow, it's, here's one. Heard you recently came out of the closet, let you fuck him in the ass. Okay, that's not, no. <laughs> uh, that is legitimately the first one when you search Google, good guy Greg. The first one, dude. So now I'm really concerned. No, that is not. You, you found the worst okay, example. Okay, here's another one. Signs up for a website, reads the terms and conditions. Exactly. That's much more what I'm going for here. I'm sorry. I had to, I had to read that one. I God. had to. Jesus. Okay. So yeah, it's, it starts off like it's, the setup is, uh-oh, this guy's going to do something shitty, and then he does a good deed. So uh, on our Twitter, at Motor. Intern Serena has made a good guy Rebus meme. Uh, we have both examples in there and the template. And this one, unlike the other one where you're going to put two pictures side by side, you're going to need to go and actually put the meme text on yourself, which is going to show who the dedicated memers are out there. Also, as a note, uh, I've got really high hopes for the fact that, you know, let's compare this. Let's say Westworld is, is the Breaking Bad, and uh, I'm hoping that a good guy Rebus spinoff can be like our Better Call, Better Call Saul. So when Westworld <laughs> is done, then we get a whole series that's just good guy Rebus going around and committing valiant acts. The winner of this meme contest will get a $25 gift card to Man Outfitters. We did Rowdy Gentleman last time. Man Outfitters this time. Switching it up. So here's an example for you. Uh, as I just said, Rebus's quote is, you only ever touch a woman as gently as with the petal of a rose. Here's an example. Top text. Touches a woman. Bottom text. As gently as, gently as, as a rose. Of a rose. Yeah. Yep. Okay. There we go. That's, that's, that's what we're doing here. Can't wait to see all these. We had a, a one shit ton. Let's get two shit tons this week. Let's get two. Let's get two. Good guy Rebus lets all his prisoners go. Uh, Charlotte and Bernard end up corralling Abernathy, who's still trying to get to the train like our dude Lee programmed him to do. The Confederados show up to collect their merchandise just after Rebus set all the prisoners free, and Rebus just starts mowing down Confederados. Yeah, the Confederados are like, hey, what the hell, man? He's like, I'm just heeding my convictions. And he just starts I, destroying okay, them. Okay, so here's one thought I had. You know how all of the lines he is able to produce, such as just heeding my convictions? He's only able to say things that were written for him, correct? I don't 
No. So I think what he's he's having to use the only lines he has that will make sense in a positive way. He would never like, have said the gently you know, only ever touch a woman as gently as with a petal of a rose. He would never have said okay, that. Okay, that's a good point. That really <laughs> fucks up my whole theory. Uh, well, then it makes no sense to me. Like, where is he getting these lines? Because as we see later in the episode, even Lee, he is able to say all of Hector's lines before Hector says them because he wrote them. I'm going to say that at, at whatever, at certain levels you're at, there is a base of things you can say. So like when he turns down uh, his violence S- to zero and switches stuff, up the options yeah. for lines and for uh, what is it called when you just make up stuff? Improvisation. Thank you. That's, that's my guess. I'm with that. And then my favorite part of the episode, Rubius sees one of his female ex-prisoners running away and starts running after her. He goes, wait, Peril rolls through these hills. I'll escort you. Keep you safe. And she just goes, get away from me. <laughs> Peril rolls through these hills. Yeah, and he's in the middle of a gunfight with the Confederados yeah. when he runs off to go do that, by the way. Just FYI. That was one of the funniest things in this entire series. I, I don't know what is so funny about Rebus now being a, a valiant gentleman, but it just gets me every single time. Also, the ability to mix in comedic moments like this is huge. I just, I just want to say... It's it's really big. Like the the entire episode was improved for me as a result. Oh yeah, that you were because you were laughing for twenty minutes afterwards. The, okay, well realistically, I'm just saying in general, it's great to have humor mixed in like that. It makes everything just makes everything better. So Charlotte tries to get Bernard and Abernathy to leave, but Abernathy starts freaking out, getting all religious like he's wont to do, and blows their cover, which leads Charlotte to just completely run away and just ditch both of them. Yeah, kind. Of, I mean, you know, at this point, not shocking that she's a totally selfish and does not care about anyone else, but still funny to watch her sprint off solo. She evades capture, but Bernard and Abernathy are taken prisoner by the Confederados. Uh, thanks, Charlotte. Again, potential <laughs> evidence she knows he's a host. Why, why would she be such a, an asshole? I, I have know. to think that one of the reasons, because you're wondering, like, hey, Bernard, very little effort there on his part to escape. I think it's just because he's running low on juice and shit, right? Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't really have the strength to go be sprinting off. This is straight up crank again. Right. This is Bernard needs cortical fluid or he's going to die. He's in search of it. At the end, we see Clementine wax him over the head. Uh, I... Yeah, not happy with that situation, but we'll get there. It's still happening. Um, cut to Dolores' meeting with the Confederado Colonel. Dolores introduces herself as Wyatt, and the Colonel has heard of her, which is because Wyatt is part of the Journey in Tonight narrative that they all have in their heads that they, that, that, they, that they know about. They don't necessarily need to act on it, but it's all knowledge they have in their heads, just like everything that the hosts have ever learned. You're Wyatt? Yeah, he was surprised. Probably expecting a man. Yeah. With the name Wyatt. Probably. Dolores' accent uh, mysteriously disappears for this whole monologue and for a lot of other parts of this episode, which serves as evidence that Wyatt kind of still lives inside her and can manifest itself in certain ways. Now, by the accent, are you referring to the way she talks when she's on the farm? I'm talking about the her southern accent that she has. She has no southern accent. When she's kind of living through Wyatt. Like, and Evan the, Rachel would the confirm world, this. The world is so full of beauty. Yeah. Evan like Rachel that type of shit. Confirmed on Twitter that there are that there are two different voices. For sure. She would talk completely differently. Yeah. Um, which makes her seem slightly less awake in my eyes. I think it's just the ability to use a different voice. Like she has that option. And she chooses to use it. 
I think it's more so that as, as, as a conscious or, you know, not awake as you are, you're still, you are programmed in to have whatever you was originally put into you. And that's like what you're based off of because otherwise they can't just reformulate their entire past and like everything about themselves. So they have to keep that. And that's just like who they are. So she has a Wyatt and Dolores in her. So she's going to go back and forth despite the fact that it's kind of like having two different people. I think it's the same brain, but like when she's talking about different things, her brain just kind of like, oh, you're going to talk about like Wyatt because this is more of a Wyatt side of things. And then when you go back to talking with your daddy about the, the farm and the cows having blue tongue, you're going to go back to Southern accent. Daddy. That was the, that was your addition? Yes. Okay. Dolores says the men who want to stop the Confederados from seeking glory will be coming from the east in the morning. And the colonel's like, why should I believe you? So Dolores stages a little demonstration. Clementine brings forth the tech from the remote facility whose face Angela was dunking in the white goop back in the last episode. Goopity goop. Clementine produces one of the P90 machine guns, uh, hands it to the colonel, and then Angela tells Goopface that if he can make it over the ridge, she'll let him live. Uh, and then Dolores tells the colonel to hold the gun tightly, and he just murks old Goopface. I love Goopface being like, oh, God, fine. He, he, he you know, half jogs 15, <laughs> 15 feet before yeah. getting mowed down. He made no effort here at all. Yeah, he knew exactly what was happening. He knew he was Dunsky. He, he also might have, his nose might have been full of goop, which could have been bad for airflow. Honestly, if I was goop face, I would have been like, go fuck yourself. I'm not running anywhere. Just shoot me. Yeah. Just shoot me? Is that a David Spade reference? It is not. Mm, I think it is. Uh, so this is a fun fact. I'm going to break the third wall here. Ross is a humongous David Spade fan. He has uh, like three of his bobbleheads or David Spade bobbleheads. He, his favorite movie is Tommy Boy, but he actually says he doesn't even like Chris Farley in it. He only likes David Spade. I don't know where you get. So, sometimes Jared just likes to make things up. This is one of the stranger things I've ever heard him make up. Uh, I am a big David Spade fan. I love David Spade, but I definitely don't love him more than Chris Farley, and I definitely don't have any David Spade bobbleheads, as I'm not sure that that's an actual object that exists anywhere in the world. If you want to send Ross a David Spade bobblehead, please DM us. I will take that for sure, for sure. But don't just make up lies about me and my character. You're not the Lee to our Westworld in here. You don't just get to write my life. Dolores tells the colonel that he can keep what is clearly his new favorite gun and all the human's weapons if she can have his men. And the colonel's like, okay, he's in love with this gun. You can tell. He's really excited about it. Dolores says the Confederados are children who need to be led and that without them, they don't stand a chance at, at defeating the humans. Who she say that to? She says it to Tedward. Teddy. Oh, te which is important because he says it later. Uh, yeah. What? The deal with the trusting of the gun to the bad man. How did she know he wasn't just going to mow them down? Because I think he could see her insane looking army and knew that at the very least it was like 50, it was like a 50, 50 battle, like same amount of men pretty much. And okay. I was just a little concerned there. I was like, Hey, why are you giving him that? And then telling him he can keep it. I just think he was like, fuck I want these guns. Like, I'm going to take, I'm, if I'm going to take glory, I want to need guns like this. And I want to, I want to have more of these. And I know, that there's an, only with her army is the same way. He knows that without her army, she can't beat the guys. He know she knows that without his, she can't. So it's like a mutual agreement. I don't think they ever like each other. I think it's just straight up business. Well, business is booming for both of them for about ten minutes. <laughs> yeah. We cut to stable boy Lee Sizemore. He's back. He's a stable boy. He's cute. We like him. Maven Hector. Lee's freaking out about being above ground because he's a scared little stable boy who's in scary territory for him. Uh, 
he's like, oh, I want to go back below ground. I don't, I don't like it up here. And then Maeve's like, you said this is the quickest way. And he's like, okay, no, but QA is about to come roll through here and kill everybody. So I'd like to get out. Uh, he also just doesn't know a lot about this land as we know. It's one of my favorite parts about this episode was how Lee knows nothing about the layout of the parks. Yeah. Which he gets made fun of for. A lot. Yeah. It's it's like if I'm like, hey Ross, do you know where I can get the printer paper? And you're just like, uh, uh it's like Ross, you've worked here for like five years. Maeve's like, hey man, you don't know anything about your workplace? Come on. So yeah, Lee gets a lot of made fun of. And then the gang in their burrow, Ford a river, and that's when Ghost Nation shows up. Yeah. I will say, their burrow is a cute little donkey. Got some questions. Go. No, not yet. The Ghost Nation uh, group is led by the same Ghost Nation member who attacked Maeve and Maeve's daughter, which triggers a bad memory in Maeve. Hector jumps in and starts calmly speaking to them in their language, because as we learned last season, he's part Ghost Nation, part Native American. Right. Uh, The subtitles say that the language they're speaking is Lakota. But we don't get an actual translation of what it is they're saying to each other. We don't. Um, Lakota, by the way, is a member of an American Indian people of Western South Dakota. Uh, the, the Siouan language of the Lakota. So uh, the Teton Sioux is who we're dealing with here. That's what Ghost Nation is, apparently, gotcha. is, is the Teton Sioux. Um, yeah, Hector jumps in, and they agree to let Maeve and Hector and the donkey carry on, but they want Lee as payment. They kind of start approaching, and Maeve, as we soon learn, once she needs to keep Lee for some reason. Uh, we need her to keep Lee. I know that much. You know, I don't want Lee to get scalped. No. Why do they want Lee? I don't even get that. I, to take his scalp? I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just, they want to stab him with a pitchfork. They think his, his stable boy outfit is sexy. It could be it. They want to put him in a cage and have him dance for, for Lakotian coins. Dance Lee. Um, yeah. So Maeve's like, no. And she tries to freeze their motor functions and it looks like she does, but she's unable to. This is the first time we have seen Maeve. Fail to control a host. And this is where Ross said, what? Okay, go on. But why can't she control these guys? That's the question this scene is asking you to ask yourself. I'm aware of that, but I couldn't think up a reasonable answer. Do you, I mean, is it like something to do with they're so old that she can't control them? They don't have... So, like, what is it that they would be lacking that would cause her commands to not work? They are somehow on a, on not in the same system. I've said this before. The Ghost Nation, I said this back, in, if you go back and listen to our season one, I said there's something else with Ghost Nation. They Maybe they're like guides in some way. They like keep you out of the park. I don't know. There's I knew there was something else going on with them, and now it looks like there is. We don't know what it is, so don't act like there's an answer. There's something else going on with Ghost Nation, the way their brains work, the way they're wired. Uh, I don't know. Maybe Ford did something with them and they, they're part of the narrative and they're like one of the only kind of groups that is maybe actually actively, you know, still going on their now, own narrative. They, we know deal. they can be killed, though. Uh, we've seen a dead one. Yeah. Being analyzed in a non-sterile environment. Uh, Dolores says that he, that specific Ghost Nation person and potentially all of Ghost Nation is not meant for the Valley Beyond. But now why didn't Maeve... And company just kill these guys? Because as you can tell, Hector is just noticeably nonviolent with them, probably because he's their people. He's part of them. Got it. Um, so Maeve, Hector, and Lee run away without 
the burrow, which is really sad to me because I hope Ghost Nation appreciated him and treated him like a nice little donkey like Lee did. Here's what you have to know, Jared, is that the likelihood is, even if Ghost Nation decided to uh, do away with Burrow, it is likely that they would use him to the full extent of his being. They'd eat, they'd eat every part. I've seen dances with wolves. They treat Burrows just like buffalo, uh, is my understanding. That doesn't make me any less sad to see this donkey leave, because I think this is one of the cutest donkeys. On the show or in general? In general. Cutest donkey is uh, Eddie Murphy and Shrek. Uh, fun fact. Came back home from the Kentucky Derby, uh, and what did we do? We ate Kaniac combos and put on Shrek <laughs> on Netflix. That actually sounds awesome. Yeah, it was, it was pretty great. That sounds better than the Kentucky Derby, frankly. The Kentucky Derby was trash. If you want to read my write-up about it, this is my third one. It was it was the worst one by far. I'm going to write it up, postgradproblems.com. Check it out soon. Anyways, uh, they get to the elevator after Hector is just, like I said, noticeably nonviolent. Even when he shoots at them, when they charge. He's, he's like spraying around. Yeah, to... he's shooting around them. He, he's seemingly intentionally missing because we know he has great aim. No, no, he, no. He is missing on purpose. Not okay. seemingly. Fine. He is missing on Say purpose. Say it. Yeah. Say confirmed. Confirmed. Even though we're only three episodes in. We're only three. You can, just, you can just make wild accusations. They make it down elevator, and we see Maeve viscerally scared, which to me goes to show how she understands the realness of the stakes right now and legitimately feared for her life for possibly the first time ever. Well, maybe not the first time. Well, it, we have not seen her scare, shook in any way in about eight episodes. Long time. Yeah. And she, like, they focus on her very long to show how goddamn scared she is since she almost died. Yes. But also, I'm sure she was also scared to relive that moment with the Ghost Nation guy. Well, I think a lot of it on her part was like, uh, why the fuck didn't they listen to me? Yeah. She's, she's realizing she's not in control of this world like she thought she was. Right. Which is a hair. Because up to that point, yeah. we were under the impression, and so was she, that she had like pretty much full control over any host, right? Yes. Yeah, that ain't the case. And I, I have this kind of existential crisis every day after I, I realize that people don't listen to me because I'm, I'm like, I'll go to Taco Bell and be like, hey, throw in a couple free tacos, champ. And, and, then, and then not only does it come back without free tacos, there's, there's loogies in, in my quesadilla and cheesy gordita crunch. And I realize, wow, maybe I don't control this world like I thought I did. I, it's a little bit too close to lunchtime for me to talk on uh, cheesy gordita crunches, so I'm just going to... Do you want to go to Taco Bell for lunch after this? Maybe. Dude, that would be huge. Uh, cut back to Fort Forlorn Hope, the name of which I am 99.99999% sure is a reference to the video game Fallout, which has a Camp Forlorn Hope in it. And also, I read a while back that uh, Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan played a lot of video games to prepare for this show. And uh, there's other Fallout references too. So if you're a Fallout fan, there you go. Here's yeah, a little... Fallout has like a whole old western type of nuclear fallout uh nuclear nuclear it's nuclear can't tell if serious either way i'm saying it the same way i'm not gonna change uh they it got, it got a lot of the west westworld vibes same vibes that would cross over and work for the show also they're just huge nerds that's what that means the Confederado who tried to kill Rebus earlier is parading around the prisoners he was able to wrangle up, uh, one of whom is Peter Abernathy, who obviously catches Dolores' eye, because that is her father. Uh, Dolores and Teddy get the Confederado to untie Abernathy, but Dolores orders Bernard, who's also there, to be tossed into jail. 
with the rest of the prisoners. Is this because she doesn't trust him? What is the her thought process here? I think yeah, I think I think she just sees him and she's like, no, this guy, uh, he he he's not on my side. He's still on the other the other side. Don't know what to think about this guy. Throws him in jail. Uh, Dolores remembers Abernathy as her father and says, look what they've done to him. You're all I have left now, Teddy. Uh, theory that Dolores is only using Teddy and plans to ditch him later on debunked? Question mark. Uh, I don't necessarily think so because it, you could also look at it from the perspective of this is another opportunity for her to continue to build his trust. And saying, you are all I have left now, Teddy, would certainly do that. Plus, we do know she's going to make a concerted effort to save her dad and bring him back. So he, you know, conceivably, Teddy won't be the only thing she has if she brings back her dad. Uh, does she know Bernard is a host? Uh, uh, yes. And she's still not real sure on... Yeah, she does know he's a host, right? Because yeah, she... we see all the whole scene at the end of episode 10. When she, it's Ford, Bernard, and Dolores all hanging out, pow, pow. And he, and Ford's like, hey, I always kept you two apart because you had a weird effect on each other. Okay, but even though he's a host, she still, like, put him in the prison with the others and all that? Like, yes. Well, she, she, she is comparing him to Arnold. She's like, do you even know the man that you're based on? Like, I wonder right. if any of them in you. Like, she, she knows he's a host, and she, I think she's just... But they have a weird effect on each other. It just doesn't seem she's made much of an effort to bring Bernard into the fold. To that's like, part of the weird effect they have on each other. Maybe. She can't accept him because she kind of compares him to Arnold. Who okay, she there loves. you go. Makes sense. Uh, I, I think Dolores is saying here, though, that look what the humans have done to him, not the Confederados, because his brain's all kinds of fucked up that clearly the Confederados didn't do. Clearly it was part of the humans. Mm-hmm. Peter Abernathy keeps spouting out random lines from old narratives of his and then suddenly snaps right back into being Dolores' dad and says he's worried about the calves in the field catching some sort of like blue tongue mouth disease. So, I, I gotta assume that's what that is. I don't know what blue tongue is. It sounds cool. Well, blue t- isn't that what you get when you uh, eat like a blue raspberry blow pop? You get yeah, blue tongue. It's the same exact thing in cows though. Do you, is Peter Abernathy just out there feeding blow pops to cows? It's not just blow pops, so it's airheads, uh, the, the Jolly Ranchers. He's got all push the can- pops. All, yeah, push all, the, pops. all the candies that turn your mouth blue. The cows are just going to town on those things. And the, I, the thing is, cows, uh, cows have best friends who they share everything with. So if you give one blow pop to a cow, it's going to share it with the other cows. So you can see how quickly this is going to spread. It's just another thing that cows have that you don't. The best friend? Yeah. Oh, God. Are you, uh, you're my best friend, Ross. That's whatever you got to tell yourself. I mean, yeah. Okay. Talking about my best friend. So, I didn't know cows had best friends until just now. After Dolores. Yeah, you're welcome. See, that's, I'm, Very that's be- informative I'm teaching show. you. That's what best friends do. They teach each other. They teach each other how to live. And Okay. So Dolores' southern accent comes back after her dad comes back, which is interesting. We kind of see how she turns it off, turns it on. You know, yeah, but I don't see this as I. I didn't put much stock into the whole accent thing, just because it struck me as like a tool for her, right? She can use whatever accent she needs. No, I, this is subconscious. You really think so? I would put money on it. I I would bet on this stock that we're talking about. I'd put a lot of money on it. Okay, it is subconscious when she's accessing different parts of her own brain that either Wyatt or Dolores would kind of take charge of. That's when it comes in. Automatically switches. You think? Automatically. All right. She's not controlling it at all. 
That no, that's a totally totally possible. I'm I'm here for that possibility. Dolores begins looking back on the past she shared with her dad with insanely intense fondness, which is also super interesting. She is still holding on to this part of her that she knows was programmed just like Maeve is doing with her daughter. Yeah, it's strange because, you know, it it, I, it becomes easy to forget that Dolores is not a human being, right? Mm-hmm. So when, you, when you're watching this, if you're thinking in the human context, it's like, of course she would have fond memories of her father, of the time they shared together. This is family. Uh, this is the man who raised her. But you have to remember... This these are not humans. They do not ha- that does not that's not how it works. Uh, and it's funny that the memories she brings up. She's like, the way you greet me on the porch every morning, like the mm-hmm. only thing she has as an example. Yeah, that's right? really all she's got. Uh, <laughs> like the, talking about the cattle, like letting them out or the pen or what. Like these are literally we have seen the their entire relationship. That's the that's it. That's the basis of their whole relationship. There isn't more to it. Right? Yep. So but she looked, but she's crying. They're both crying, aren't they? Yeah. So it's just, it really takes you back to remembering like Dolores is a robot. Now she might have access to a little bit more, uh, what do you call it? What is it called? Consciousness. Then, uh, thanks for your help, Jared. Then <laughs> the, uh, no, you didn't give me any. Okay, go on. Sorry, I'm just. I plan on you. You spoke. I thought we were best friends. Climb inside my head, <laughs> figure it out, finish my sentences for me. Um, she might have accessed more consciousness than the other robots, but she's still a robot. Mm-hmm. Which I was using Maeve holding on to her daughter as part of me thinking she wasn't conscious, but it's and not. That's the thing. Not it's so anymore. Conf- it's confusing now that Dolores is doing it too. I just I we don't ever see Mabe have that realization in her head, but now it's making me think that maybe she has. I don't know. I don't know. That's what's so tough. That's what really I hope we get more of this season as we go down. You know, the last seven episodes because right now I'm I'm starting to get real confused about like what are different semi-conscious characters realize or don't realize. Like mm-hmm. Dolores clearly doesn't grasp completely. That the whole relationship with her father is it's just all fake. It's not real. It's not really her dad. They don't really have a bunch of shared history together. But the fact that she perceives it as being real, does that make it real to her? Even though... To it, her, yes. Okay, how about this, Ross? As a human being, you can you have a relationship with your father, right? Is your father here right now? No. Technically, all the past, if it was completely erased, never happened. All you have is the present and the future. So the fact that you have all these fond memories of your... By the way, your dad is... Your dad loves me. Me and your dad are very I'm good very friends. very aware. Very he just, aware. He just called me the third son. Did you hear see I that? I did see that tweet. That was disturbing. Okay, so how about that? I'm going to make a better analogy. All the great memories me and your dad have, right? Right. Those are all in the past. Okay. Now, there can be once again in the future, but all you are doing when you look back at the past is inside of your own head. Dolores remembers these things that happened in the past. That are as real as a human's past. Yes, but just the, because they didn't look, actually look, happen, here's what, I'm, in here's, head, here's what I'm saying, though, Jared. I, when I look back at the past of you and my dad's relationship, I can think of all these different things that would cause a close relationship, right? When I look at Dolores's past, when Dolores looks inside of her own head at her and her dad's past, is she going to? Is there more inside of her head 
than the things she mentions. I don't think so because why would she only mention those things? Yeah, because she has programmed memories into her head of her dad. They just didn't actually happen. But to her, they're real. But just because she is only the extent of them, the whole walking out on the porch in the morning thing. No. So she has other memories too. Yeah, that's just the only one that she acted out. But remember, she. I well, just she fully believed that she had a relationship with her dad when all this when she'd wake up in the morning say hi to him there was more in her head I know but it's just why the fuck didn't she use any of those examples then like because we didn't see them but that's what it would I'm just saying it would have made their relationship more impactful to me because it's like if she'd been like the time we picked wildflowers in the valley or whatever that's like that'd be some shit I didn't see so now okay. I know Dolores has all these memories that I we that. we don't have uh, the ability to see but because she used only shit we've seen. It made me think that's all she's got. So you're I saying if, I don't know. if she had brought that up and he was like, yeah, I remember that. And like they bonded over it. That would have been more for you. That'd be a whole different ball game. It's like, oh shit. She has all these memories programmed into her head of like her father raising her and them doing all these different activities together. But instead she was like the way you'd say hi to me on the morning and then let the cattle out of their pen. I agree. We just worked through that together. Best friend shit. Dolores talks about this war she started, and afterwards, Abernathy slips back into his chaotic, nonsense state, and Dolores says she's going to get him help. It gave me anxiety watching Abernathy operate, like, like freaking out like this. Yeah. Like, it's, it's essentially, you know, robot mental illness is what he's dealing with here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that actor, he is really, really good, and I'm glad we're getting more of him, because as we know... The whole reason they decided, and we've discussed it, to, to, to keep him around is because they liked working with him so mm -hmm. much. And he's crushing it right now. Cut to Maeve, Hector, and Lee back down elevator walking around. Hector could tell that Maeve knew the Ghost Nation member. And she says he is a wraith from a former life who haunts her dreams and that he is a danger to her baby should she still be out there. Interesting that she threw that last part in. So she's under the impression that this guy would still be hunting her child? Yeah. Huh. Hope that's not the case. That's yeah, terrifying. I know. Hector says that they'll find her baby and protect her. And Maeve says after that, they'll escape to the real world. And then they hold hands. Lee's not a fan of that. Now, I know what you're going to say. I think I had a big problem with this scene until my, my second watch through. Not a hero. Watched it twice last night. Went to bed around 3.30. I'm not, not a hero. hero. Not a hero. Not a hero. I do it for you guys. Not a martyr. Freeze all martyr functions. So, is a, did you have a small problem with this scene? Nope. You didn't? Nope. Thought it was very good. Okay, well, if you were like me and your first watch through, you went, why does Lee care so much about these hosts going off their narrative? That's what I thought. And the second watch through, I realized why. Because Lee hates to see Hector, who is himself, yes, going whole, off of it. It's all broken down for you pretty simply in the Maeve conversation. Maeve's like, did you have yourself a, what's her name? Isabella. Isabella. And he's like, yeah, yeah. Didn't tell us his whole story. And that, that explains it entirely. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Maeve, Maeve beautifully understands all of it. She's like, oh, I get it. You fuckstick writing creative <laughs> little twerp. You, you wrote this dude Hector to be everything you always wanted to be yeah. like the badass version of you. That's why he doesn't like seeing it. He's like, you're only supposed to have love for Isabella. Yeah. So it's because Lee created Hector in his own image and he's pissed to see him not as he programmed him because now he's like not him anymore, which is unbelievably amazing. I love that. I love the ballsiness of Lee to still be pointing out things about the, you know, the fact that he had a heavy hand in creating these people yeah. and writing their narratives. When and he just quotes Hector straight up. 
that shit was cool. I thought it was cool that their relationship is at a point where Hector didn't just shoot him in the face immediately. Mm-hmm. Instead, he was kind of like upset and walked away. And it was kind of like, man, Lee, you need to go to apologize to that dude. That's fucked up. I, I loved it, that Maeve understood it all. Yeah. I want to give a major shout out to Hector. He goes under the radar a lot this season. He is Every time he's on screen, he is a badass. Like when he's like, you're supposed to only have love for Isabella. And Hector's response is not so much anymore. Yeah, he, he has great lines. He's a great actor, he, great character. He is, and he's uh, he's great at, in battle scenes. He's great in non-battle scenes. He's loyal. Like, there's, I have no problems with Hector whatsoever. Top five character, easily. 100%. I kind of like him better with the scar, though. I will say. Does he, he not he, have the scar anymore? No, he doesn't have the scar. He, oh, he, they fixed it up? Uh, when he got his full rebuild after the fire, they oh, didn't put the scar in. Oh, shit, okay. I think they were going to, and then he killed Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> Before they could do it, yeah. people forget Hector killed Dustin. <laughs> I, I don't forget. Uh, that was a top five scene. R.I.P. With, with two top five characters in it. If you want to argue for Dustin, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, that would be silly. Let's not be silly. Uh, we, are ne- we are never silly. Not in this podcast. Um, yeah, uh, we also learned that Lee's Lee's girlfriend left him. Uh, why? Would, well, she's crazy. Why would you leave Lee? Well, he tells us why. Because he was too into his job, which is funny because he doesn't really seem, it was stability. It was like his, he's a crazy creative, Jared. Mm -hmm. And as a crazy creative myself, I understand we're hard people to be with Uh, guys like me and Lee. I don't think so. I like hanging around with you. Well, you don't have to sleep with me and cook for me and make sure that I don't spend all the money on, uh, shoes, shoes, bobbleheads of David Spade. Right. Take a quick break. All right. We're going to tell you guys right now about the number one way you can support this show. Aside from listening here at Grand X Media, which owns this podcast, Freeze All Motor Functions that you're listening to. We also own a retail site for men called manoutfitters.com. And what we do here is we curate the best brands that you love. North Face, Patagonia, Sperry, Vineyard Vines, Howler Brothers. And we put them all in one place where you can buy them and if you listen to our podcast and read our site content on uh, postgrad problems, total frat move, yada, 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 you get discounts because we love you so much. What's our discount code for, for all the freeze on motor functions listeners? It's freeze. If you use the code freeze at checkout on manoutfitters.com, you will get 15% off your entire order if you spend $150 or more. Free shipping included, as Jared mentioned. A lot of great brands on Man Outfitters, all the ones that you are probably familiar with that Jared just named. But the other great thing about Man Outfitters is that you can discover new brands that you may have never heard of, or at least this is one of my favorite things about Man, like uh, Caton, great swim trunks, fantastic hats and t-shirts. I'd never heard of them before I found them on Man Outfitters. Obviously, you know Rowdy Gentlemen. We have all of our Rowdy Gentlemen products on there as well. Um, Travis Matthew, Cole Hans, new sneakers are on there. Ruka is another brand I was not familiar with. Burmese is another brand I was not familiar with. It has great swim trunks. Uh, it, the list goes on and on and on. Fayette Chill is another one of the newer brands that we just added to Man Outfitters. All their stuff is extremely good vibes. So to get into some more like actual specific stuff, this week I want to tell you about our hats. Do we it. have an, probably the best collection of hats on the internet. I would argue that that is the truth. Uh, if you like North Face, we have these awesome, like, kind of mountainy hats, very outdoorsy vibes. If you're going to go on any hikes, you might want one of these North Face hats. 
We have hats from Howler Brothers that are rope hats that are unbelievable. It's this is the year of the rope hat and the robe. It is. Some other amazing hats we have are from Patagonia, as always. Everything Patagonia puts out is amazing. You can get Patagonia jackets. If you, if, I mean, it's not really jacket season, but maybe you want to get a, a jacket now. I don't know. Uh, Man Outfitters is the number one hat destination on the internet. Come get your hats. And like I said, if you win the meme contest, you get a $25 Man Outfitters gift card. You may as well go now, check out what you're going to buy with your gift card, and then if you don't win, just still buy it. And again, you use that code... Freeze. Freeze. At checkout, you'll get 15% off your whole order. I just want to plug one other brand, Xanarobe, one of my favorite brands. Uh, they make fantastic joggers. I'm a joggers guy, so I wear them pretty much every day, and every day the ones I'm wearing are Xanarobe. Uh, I'm also wearing one of their hoodies right now because it is freezing in our podcast studio. Um, they've got some swim trunks, t-shirts, and uh, athletic shorts as well. Check out Xanarobe. Last thing I'm going to say, my favorite brand we carry is Sendero Provisions. Uh, if you are a person who either loves the outdoors or likes camping or just likes the kind of motif of camping stuff, we have these National Park graphic tees that are awesome. I have two of them. Wear them all the time. Check it out. Manoutfitters.com. Promo code FREEZE. You'll love it. I guarantee it. Back to the show. And back to Fort Forlorn Hope. Dolores visits with Bernard. And talks about how she's found her own voice, which to me is super ironic considering she's constantly changing up her accent, like literally changing up her voice. Yeah, it is. She brings Bernard to Peter Abernathy to try and get him to fix up her dad. Dolores realizes Bernard has never been outside the park during their conversation, uh, you know, like she has, even though he speaks of the outside world as if she has. Or as, as if, if he has. has. As if he has. Yes, thank you for the correction, best friend. And then Dolores says... I have, and the world out there is marked by survival, by a kind who refuses to die. And here we are, a kind that will never know death, and yet we're fighting to live. There is beauty in what we are. Shouldn't we too try to survive? Mm, deep. Kind of Dolores' whole mindset laid out for deep you. Deep Dolores. Very deep. I really, it's pretty straightforward there. I mean, there's not really much to dive into. This is just Dolores' mindset right now. And Why shouldn't we try to survive? Yeah, we, we, we are. Just because we're not human doesn't mean there's not beauty in what we are. You know, touches Bernard's face. Yeah, and I believe this is also we see this in episode one as one of Bernard's montage flashbacks. Oh yeah, yeah. You probably forgot about that, but yeah. Oh, I did. Oh, I also almost forgot to mention this. Good guy Rebus. Just to go back to him, because who doesn't want to go back to him? Uh, I do. Episode one, when we see him jump in front of that woman host on the beach. Yeah. This is why, because he's a good guy now. Oh, shit, dude. There you go. Another episode one little callback. Wow, Jared, you're really good at this. Thank you. Back to Lee, Maeve, and Hector. Still without the burrow. I really miss this this burrow. They stumble across a firefight while uh, kind of downstairs. And when I say firefight, there's literally a man on fire. I'm sorry. I thought they were down elevator. They were, what did I say? Downstairs. Oh, I meant down elevator. Thank you. But yeah, firefight, there's literally a man on fire. Yes, he gets flamed. And he was lit on fire by the dragon. She's back, baby. Armistice has found a flamethrower and also a new hand. Okay, what the hell was that? I thought at first I was like, oh my God, she attached the flamethrower to where her hand used to be and I was so pumped. Then I was like, oh, never mind, she's just holding it with a hand. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Felix and Sylvester had a part in that. 
Okay. That's that's how I would. That's how the framing of this all led me to believe the that, introduction of Sylvester, uh, like bitching and moaning off screen, was a top twenty five moment of my entire life. With a grenade under his neck. Yes. He's do like, excuse me, uh, grenade. I so, just like, dude. I I was really 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 worried they weren't gonna bring him back. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so pumped he's here. And it's funny because like Felix is obviously a more likable character, but Sylvester is. Just a lovable asshole. Like he is him, Logan, and Lee are just three top characters in the show. They're just lovable assholes. Yeah. And I think that's like a thing for me is I love the intentionally like huge asshole douchebag character. If you ever watch the British Inbetweeners, Jay is one of the top characters in TV history. I see people some people are gonna reach out to me about that. Most of you you don't know what it is. Watch the British Inbetweeners. Jay is unbelievably an amazing character. That's a TV show? Yep. I'm not going to watch the British Inbetweeners. It's, it's the Inbetweeners, but the British version, not the shitty American version. I don't even made. know what Inbetweeners is. Either way, Armistice is back. I believe she put the grenade under Sylvester's neck? Yes. Or at um, least that's definitely what it seems when she's the one who like slowly tortures him, yeah. taking it out. And she also loves fucking with him, as we've seen many times. <laughs> yeah. Like when we when she leaves him last time, when she's like looking through the glass at him and just freaks him out. Yeah. Uh, we cut to Fort Forlorn Hope, where Shaky Hands Bernard has hard-ported Abernathy to try and fix him for Dolores. Bernard unknowingly puts Leon Blast for crappily putting a personality in Abernathy on top of all Charlotte's data. It's like somebody jerry-rigged it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not what you want to call your work. If you're like, hey, Jared jerry-rigged this podcast, like, I'm not gonna... I clearly don't think you liked it very no, much. No, but it's interesting, like, because I was waiting for an explanation about why he's so jacked up outside of the fact i mean because he's been jacked up since the first like second time we see him right ever mm -hmm. like we get one or two scenes with abernathy not compromised and not infected by the bug of finding that photo and thinking uh whatever these yeah. violent delights have violent ends and all that shit so I've always I've wanted more explanation about why he's more messed up now than he was even then. I know this, this is it. It's because he had, not, like he had he was a little bit lobotomized, but then like Lee just went in and put more shit into him. He has a fuck ton of information stored inside of him, and then as Bernard put it, he's been jerry rigged to have this like half assed personality on top of that, which is really just a blend of like six past narratives. <laughs> All and, running and, into each other. And an intense desire to get on a train. <laughs> and that's all. Like, I didn't even know why. So, Gotta get on the train. Lee came to Charlotte in episode 10 and is like, I did it. I, I made this. I, it was really hard, but I was able to put in a personality into this guy. And he was like proud of himself. All he did was, was give Abernathy this intense desire to get on a train. <laughs> yeah, he didn't back it up with much. He's just like a shitty New York businessman who's like late for the, the 2 a.m. 13 train gotta make my way to the train so good job lee you you continue to crush it and continue to make me love you even more uh even though that bernard doesn't know what the data is yet he does know it's why charlotte is after abernathy he's he's pieced this together um then we cut to charlotte making it back to a delos base from her uh ditching of bernard back at the good guy rebus camp she is dead set on heading to Fort Forlorn Hope since she knows Abernathy is probably there because that's where the Confederados would have taken him. 
So she changes up all these preset plans on the fly because she's such a high up at the company. She can do that. She's like, hey, uh, oh, are those good men? They're my best men. Okay, I'm taking them. We're going to camp or Fort Forlorn Hope. Uh, let's go. Just completely changes up everything. Yeah. Just more like more reckless Charlotte stuff. Um, cut back to Fort Forlorn Hope. The scouts return with word that the army is coming, and they're coming out of the ground. It's like when you'd stumble across a Diglett in Diglett's cave back in Pokemon Red. Just coming right out of the ground, right at you. I was going to go Gears of War, but whatever. I'm more of a Diglett guy. Gears of War. All, Dolores's, those, all those Scourge guys came out of the ground. Dolores' plan is to lure the Delos army in close to where there are some buried explosives. Buried? Buried? I don't know how to say it. Buried? Bernard. Bernard, some Bernard explosives, then to set off a trigger by the flagpole and blow them all to smithereens. Bernard is working on Abernathy and makes it through the encryption after Abernathy says something about a violent kind of delightfulness. Not sure if that was related or if Bernard's just kind of like repeated attempts finally got through. Seems like it might be related. I don't know. I couldn't tell. Whatever is inside Abernathy causes Bernard to say, oh my God. It, isn't it just, okay, so like, we obviously didn't get a very clear understanding of what it is that Bernard figured out here. But at the very least, I have to think that he, he now realizes Abernathy is carrying a massive swath of data, right? Yeah. And okay. so we are told by Charlotte with the whole leave thing that he's carrying all of the information they didn't want Ford to destroy. Yeah. But I am... Inclined to believe that's just what Charlotte told Lee and that there's actually more data than just that in there. Okay. I think there's, there's some of this, some of this data that we see from the kind of underground port with the drones is in there too. Yeah. Just based on the fact that Bernard didn't have time to analyze all that data. You just have to think that at this point, what Bernard is, oh my Godding about is the fact that there's so much of it. So when you know how Charlotte is freaking out, trying to get this data out of the park, uh -huh. the data from the drones is inside the park. Too. Right, the files are inside the computer. Yeah, so I think it's included. It's an all this data. So there's more. Like Lee had no idea what he was getting himself into, just right. like always. Right. Especially when he dated Isabella. Yep. Bummer. Cut to Charlotte. Actually, we don't cut to Charlotte here. Uh, what we do do. Huh, Bummer. I, I I didn't mean to say that. I love cutting to Charlotte. Dolores's plan. Uh, is in full effect. They're lining all of the Confederados up outside. Uh, and Bernard, after this oh my God thing, is kind of still chilling there, like still working on Abernathy. The Delos army approaches and the battle begins. The Confederados do a little damage, but it's a pretty one-sided affair. They, they shoot one guy. Yeah. I, 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 I saw thought, one guy <laughs> go down. The rest of it, is, I mean, and that was like a lucky neck shot or a head shot. Which is the only hope they have, because these guys are in full Kevlar. Mm -hmm. As we see, they have fucking dune buggies that roll up. Their guns are far superior. It, it honestly kind of pissed me off how long it took the Confederados to realize they needed to retreat. Well, remember, the the colonel said, Confederados aren't trained to retreat. <laughs> so literally... Which is just not true, because some of them started to retreat almost immediately. And he's like, hold your ground, goddammit. Well, he has some good men and some bad men, just like all of us. Whatever. Like like intern Luke. He's a bad man. Okay. That's our producer. Weird to throw him on, on blast in the middle of the show, but okay. Well, I was looking at two people here that I could have chosen from. One was my best friend, a good, a very good man. 
And one was this this kind of this kind of guy who's just sitting here on his phone acting like he's not listening to me. Right I have now. been called a saint. Luke is listening, and he, he can't defend himself. He's got no microphone. This is this is wrong, Jared. I'm not okay with this. Sorry. Charlotte has some men flank the fort while this battle's going out out front. They run in. This is like a little like a recon. It's not team. even a flank. They straight up come up from behind. <laughs> yeah, they just and walk in. It is a little bizarre how easy this was. Like I, at first, I was like, wait, hold up. Is this two different locations? Because I, I was so confused about how easy it was for these dudes to just roll up through the back and scoop up old Abernathy. Like, it was it was confusing. Yeah, they ran in, grabbed him. And we also see here that Bernard is leaking. Soaking wet. This guy needs some cortical fluid, and he needs it now. It's my cortical fluid, and I need it now. Wow. <laughs> That's where we're at. Crank is in full effect. Uh, Bernard kind of hides behind a bookcase so they don't see him and he's just kind of still chilling in there. He's just laying in the fucking corner. Yeah, he's in a heap. He's not hiding very well. He's not he, doing anything very well, he's frankly. He's just a sopping wet heap of host. And uh, this is where I began to become a little upset about this continued Bernard leaking situation. I need this to be over. Well, we'll see what happens because we have some a little update to that. Dolores gives Angela a sign, which causes her to raise a banner, which is a, another sign for all of Dolores' army to calmly retreat while the Confederados are still attacking. They just walk off. They don't. Do they not notice what's happening? The Confederados? I think they are idiots. Yeah. Well, the Confederados are under their colonel's command, so he didn't. He didn't. If he didn't see, they're not going to retreat. I guess. Um, Dolores then sees her father being extracted, so she runs out after him. She gets shot twice. Doesn't care. At least twice. Maybe three times. I think it's twice. Okay. But doesn't care. Doesn't matter to her now. So what's that about? She's just like her mortality response is all the way at zero. Her pain response is a zero. As long as she doesn't like lose, lose fluids, she's just like Hector getting shot. Now, how do you know her mortality, mortality and pain response are zero? Because why would she not do that to herself with, when she had that tech with her? Which I think she still has. Good point. Yeah. Why, like, why, that's like, that's, why would you not? That's like saying, hey, uh, Ross, I actually work for the bank, and like, here's the computer. You can give yourself a billion dollars if you want, and just like, feel free. But I'm going to pass on doing that for myself. Yeah. Okay, I got you. You would never do that, because you want to buy, buy more David Spade bobbleheads and other memorabilia. Yeah, David Spade and David Duchovny bobbleheads. David Spade, just shoot me worn pants. <laughs> wow. You're a weird dude. Uh, okay, Dolores is extra on a mission now. She says to send their army in every direction and to not stop looking until they find her father. She just she describes it as her horde, yeah, which I horde. thought was interesting. She's like split up the horde, and and this is crazy. Like, okay, this is a moment in leadership, you know, history where many leaders have had to decide to either remain focused on the mission or to divide focus in order to accomplish or save someone else right yeah she goes straight to forgetting about the rest of the mission split up the horde cover the whole park search until we find him yeah um first off when i heard horde i thought for the horde which if you're a nerd like me that'll mean something to you explain it now please no if you're a real one you get it this seems also Dolores' plan is so amazingly counterproductive to her whole end game of conquering this world and the outside world that this has to be to an effect. And to me, this shows that her father means so much to her that she's willing to sacrifice the end game for him. Just like Maeve 
was willing to sacrifice her endgame of getting to the real world to save her daughter. Yeah, this is nuts. I, I was very surprised by this. This does not a virtuous leader make. I tied this back into the title of the episode. This is not what a virtuous leader would do. A virtuous leader would not sacrifice the entire uh, right, the entire goal of the of the army for what what they want. Um, she's putting her own happiness. That's tough though, because I could argue that she's being virtuous in caring for her father's well being. That is that is not the Machiavellian definition of virtue. That is your like book of virtues, oh, okay. Christian okay, Sunday okay. school. So we're going version. off the Machiavellian. Okay, got you. Yeah, you're correct. Good point. Yeah. Thank you. I know. Dolores says her and Teddy are going to Sweetwater because there's something Dolores needs there. And then we never hear anything about that again. So what is it? What does she need in Sweetwater? What the what hell What the fuck she could she possibly need there? Is it another can of that evaporated milk or whatever? that she, that she, that she, she dropped it and she forgot to pick it up? Nobody picked it up for her? Fuck's sake. Yeah, you got to hope there's some conjugal fluid. What is it called? What? Cortical fluid? Cortical fluid. Conjugal fluid. Conjugal visits. <laughs> Oh, yeah, fuck. Maybe, yeah, she's going to do a conjugal visit to the O'Hall prison. I hey. just watched that episode of Arrested Development where uh, where Michael sets up a conjugal visit between his mother and father while his dad's in prison. Mm-hmm. But then it ends up that his dad actually has his secretary in the trailer Kitty. and all hell breaks loose. Yeah, Kitty. And then Joe accidentally sees his parents having sex shortly after that. Anyway, uh, cortical fluid. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what Dolores is going to Sweetwater to get. I, I've been really thinking about it. Like, thinking about every specific business. There's the safe in the Mariposa. Which is empty. There's those drawings of the, of the like... Whatever they call them. The, 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 the walkers between worlds. We haven't even seen any of those. They're all dead. Those are all dead people now. Yep. I don't know. If you know hey, this is actually a huge thing. Is, is Sweetwater not overrun with, like, techs... Delos employees, potential you, military. You think it point? would be, but mm, who knows? Seeing as that it's like the main area, Although, you know what I mean. You think we, that'd be the first place the security went? But we do know that they they have a specific spot. The rally point might not be near there because Dolores knows where where the rally point is. Okay, it's near where they are right now, so she knows she can get there before them. But yeah, this is a big one. Our Thursday episode, as we'll talk about later, we take a shit ton of voicemails from you guys, the listeners, the guests. A big one I want to talk about this week is what is Dolores going to Sweetwater to get? Call in 888-6-FREEZE. We want to hear what you have to say. Let us know. Okay, going on. The colonel finally has his men retreat. What a great comrade to have. He literally followed Dolores' plan perfectly. Like, has all his men dying, following the plan to a T, and Dolores just didn't. Yeah. Bless you, child. That was a sneeze. I sneeze. For you have sinned. Uh, <laughs> Dolores didn't follow the plan. She has her men close the gates with the Confederados outside and then shoot through the gates to just kill all of them. Why waste the ammunition? I thought the same thing. Like the They're the, going to die anyway. The, yeah, the Dallas Army was going to kill them all anyways. I don't know why they did that. Maybe it was to draw them in faster. She just wanted to get this whole thing over with it was weird though because it was like okay if i'm one of the delos guys noticing these guys dropping like flies as bullets come in from the other side i mean like well i'm gonna stay away maybe we save our information ammunition and stop shooting because something weird's going on here that was weird to me yeah i I still don't if you understand that 8886 freeze let us know yeah granted Um, i'm not a military strategist and neither is jared all amateur i've i've played uh i played civ before i played shogun total war you did a lot. We actually had somebody hit us up and say that they were really happy that you pronounce it Shogun and not Shogun. Somebody hit us up on Twitter Thank and you. said, 
Hey, thanks. Cultured. Shouts to you guys for knowing how to pronounce Shogun because everybody says Shogun. I even say Shogun. I'm, I'm gonna so cultured. Change. I'm going to change it now to Shogun because that's the correct pronunciation. Telus Army gets coming closer. They and they come closer to Fort Forlorn Hope, which leads to Angela blowing up the explosives and causing a massive explosion. Bernard kind of sees this, I think, as a opportunity to escape or to at least kind of run away from. Uh, Abernathy's well he's not there anymore but run away from that room to fulfill his crank roll uh, and get more cortical fluid but Clementine's like nah son she's a zombie Clementine but can we talk about zombie Clementine yeah I'm not really clear on what's driving her I think she's just following Dolores' orders so she can't talk uh she does she talk not yet we haven't seen her talk she just like hand, is handing stuff off. She's kind of just got dead eyes and she just goes and does things. Yeah. Well, she's crushing it. She comes and bops uh, Bernard on the head like a field mouse. That's a nice way of putting it. She cracks his fucking face with a rifle bud. Yeah. But? But. But. It's but. But. <laughs> Dolores uh, condemns the Confederado General Craddock to death. Tells Teddy to go and take him out back and kill him and all his men. But then Teddy lets them go. Very interesting ending to the episode here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, t- I, again, I was, I was really doing it. Uh, hi. So I was, I got real deep into this. Like, so the, this whole thing with Teddy letting the Confe- Confederado soldiers go and Dolores kind of looking on disappointed, but not stopping him is just proof that he is not... She wanted to see how far along he is. Yeah. And he's not there yet. Like, he's still... Because this is old-school Teddy's narrative, Teddy's uh, bullshit that's been programmed into him, overriding Dolores, basically. I have a different interpretation. Interpret away. I think that Dolores, as we can tell, is so blinded by everything that's going on that she's getting away from her actual true like goal. She's letting her father thing like literally she's totally changing everything up just so she can save her father. She didn't care about her father until that day or the night before the day before when she found him, she totally forgot about him. And now that she sees him again, she's going all in on him. Send the hordes after him everywhere. What does that have to do with what Teddy does with the Confederados? So, uh, I think that, so this is going off, this is partly based on, somebody brought this up to me, this is uh, a guest DM, brought up that if you're still going off the theory that the Valley Beyond is meant for, uh, you know, the Arnold host, the kind of older host, they think that they saw Craddock as one of the original hosts in the Westworld town when Mr. Delos and Billy went toward it. They think they saw him there. I think that Dolores is so blinded by everything that's going on that she's disregarding who is and who is not meant for the Valley Beyond. So she condemns this guy who's meant for the Valley Beyond. This is a crackpot theory. I really should have prefaced this. This is not something that like is right. This is a crackpot theory. So take this with a grain of uh, sand. Alaria sand. Shouts to Game of Thrones. I had to make a Game of Thrones reference. I had to. What the fuck does that have to do with what Teddy does? Anyways, what are you talking about? So Teddy knows... He has a better sense right now of who is and who is not meant for the Valley Beyond. Okay, that is absurd. So he lets him go because Dolores is so blinded by that everything. That is an idiotic theory. I'm just a crackpot. It's, no, that's not crackpot. That's straight dumb, son. 
crack and pot mixed together get that theory whatever bring it's I, I get really really high really hot really low crack pot just saying I, that we might I think there's more to it than just Teddy going back to his old ways but who knows crack pot okay do you think Craddock got to Teddy is that part is what he said to Teddy like why he did what he did partially yeah I mean he he appealed to Teddy's programmed sensibilities He also kind of appeals to more so like you you're following Dolores blindly. You know? Like kind of appeals more to his human side than his host side. Cuz hmm. he's programmed to follow Dolores blindly. So this to me in a way is kind of him breaking away from following Dolores which is becoming more human than his programming to do everything she says. As we know, Arnold's like, "Hey, you can get Teddy to kill all these hosts for you. Right. Is anything you say? Have I convinced you otherwise? That is a good point. Thank you. I just, then it makes me wonder why she lets him do this in the first place. And then why her response is just kind of look disappointed and walk away. So Teddy didn't know she was watching. She kind of, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he like shot the gun still and was like, get out of here. Um, her response. Yeah. She was just disappointed in Teddy because maybe she thinks he's going back to his old host ways. But really, but really, it's he's taking pro- making progress. Yeah, we'll see. We'll because I do get not not if if you know his human side being like you don't have to do everything blindly that this chick says, and that being a sign of him breaking more towards independence and and further you know getting along his destination to uh, consciousness or whatever. Mm-hmm. But why let them go? These are dangerous, very angry men. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Maybe maybe because they are meant for the I think we're going to get more about the uh, outcome from that situation in the next episode. Because at some point, Dolores has to be like, hey, man, what the fuck was that about? Do you see who teams up next episode in the trailer that we got after the episode? No, sir. Do we want me to tell you? No. Okay, I won't. Go check it out if you want to see it. Uh, the Confederate General Craddock teams up with somebody unexpected. Like the door, this episode ends where it begins. Grace crawls from the water after the tiger attack. And is it Maeve? Great. No, no, that's the real ending. This is a big, this is two two ending scenes. No, no, no. I'm I'm saying is Maeve the one that the Confederate general teams up with? No, if you don't, you told me not to tell you. Oh, sorry. Okay. Grace crawls from the water after the tiger attack, and who's there but Ghost Nation? They're back, ready for some scalping. Poor Grace. Not ideal for her. So is that the end for her? You have to assume she's a goner, right? I don't. I don't think so. I, I thought it was a nice, easy way to tie up that whole cold opening, the other parks involvement. Nope, I don't think so. Explain the tiger. What could she possibly say to these gold, uh, Ghost Nation Braves that would get them to keep her alive? This is going to be, I think, a big way where we find out what Ghost Nation's true meaning is, is how they respond to Grace. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh. But we do see that that is the tiger that uh, ends up being stumbled upon later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Then the final scene, we see snow for the first time in this show. We do, which was weird. And Lee, this is so funny to me. Lee's like, oh, we must be in the Klondike narrative. Uh, okay, we're, we're pretty new. We're actually only a few sectors away from your daughter. They're in a different park, Lee. You don't know anything. Lee's a moron. Lee is so far You're about gone. to get attacked by a fucking samurai, Lee. God. Yeah, they're in Shogun World. They're not, in, they're not three sectors away from the homestead in the Klondike narrative. They are nowhere near that. Or... Is it that the Shogun world is in their world? Oh. 
I don't think so. We never saw them cross a barrier or anything like Grace had to to get to Westworld. Uh, yeah, but they were underground. They were underground a lot. They could have just popped up in Shogun World. Remember when they could have just popped up? And he's like, "Oh yeah, this is the right one. Let's go up. Let's go up elevator." And they're just in another park. It would make more sense that they were in Shogun World, considering he finds a head uh, with the helmet of a. Shogun Because era. why would Shoguns be attacking Shoguns outside of their world? Yeah. That doesn't really make sense. Not okay. to me either. Um, yep. Then the, the samurai comes in, and that is the end of this and episode. And he's like, ah! And that's the end. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed this recap of Season 2, Episode 3, Virtue and Fortnite. Two great things that go together very well. Tweet at us. DM us. Leave comments. We will respond to you. I am at Jared Borislow on everything. B-O-R-I-S-L-O-W. Ross is at W-R. Bolin on everything. Get at us on Twitter for the meme contest. At Freeze All Motor. And also toss us a follow. We are the best Westworld content on Twitter. And Instagram too. At Freeze All Motor Functions. We could fit the whole, the whole name in there. That was huge for us. If you want to get on the Thursday episode, call into the cold line 888-6-FREEZE. If it's a good call, we'll play it. If we, if we can fit it in, nothing is off limits. Comments on the show, questions about plot. Please no Reddit theories. Respect our wishes. We want your theories. We want to do this with you, not Reddit. Original content. OC is for OGs. Ross, say it. OC is for OGs. Original content for original gangsters. Ross loves that saying. He came up with it, actually. Right, Ross? I did not. <laughs> you, the guests, have a primary directive we're adding to your core code. Recruit at least one friend to listen to Freeze on Motor Functions. You have to, because it's in your core code. And you're also going to go crazy like Peter Abernathy. And it's time now for the NPR style sign off. Freeze on Motor Functions is brought to you by Grand X Media and hosted by me, Jared Borislow, along with Ross Bolin. Luke Schultz produced the show. Special thanks to Phil from DC, aka Schnapple on SoundCloud for our intro music, Brad Hess for our outro music, intern Garrett who helped us format and prepare the show, and intern Serena who does insanely awesome Westworld themed Photoshop work for us that you can check out on our Twitter at Freeze Motor and Instagram at Freeze Motor Functions. Dedication today to Good Guy Rebus. Get on the meme contest. Let's have fun with this one. We want two shit tons. See you on Thursday for the Thursday episode. Freeze all motor functions, all motor functions.